You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Good morning, everyone. Am I on? There you go. Well, it's good to see everyone this morning. Um, in case I'm not 100%, I got, like this year I can't hear anything. So if you can talk to me after church, talk to me on this side, all right? Um, just got water in there or something, but it's all good. Uh, let's get right into it this morning. Am I on? I can barely hear myself. That's why I'm feeling weird. I can't hear me. Okay. As long as you guys can hear me, that's good. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for the word. We thank you for where we are going with this. We thank you for the, the reach and the things that this church stands for. And I thank you for everyone that's made the time. I thank you for our online church, all those in-house that have made the time to be here this morning, God. I thank you, Lord, that we will receive a word and we will hear from heaven. And I thank you, Father, because we are here, our lives will be better when we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to start a new series on the, the subject of grace, and it's really kind of challenging because, you know, when you've been preaching 30 years, <laughs> you know, and there's been a lot of messages on the subject of grace, you know, you, you, you know, I knew in my heart that that's what we need to talk about for the next few weeks, but I didn't want to just go and rehash what I knew, you know, because it has to be something different or something, not different, but something more depth, and I, and I realized in the study that I've been doing, that, um, you know, I think we've had revelation and insights on the, on the theme of grace, but to really understand it is, becomes a whole different thing. And I'll be honest with you, you would think I would understand it, right? You know, doing this, this long, living, trying to grasp what is, you know, what is grace? Is it, a, is it God's favor? Is it God's love? Is it God's person? Is it his personality? I mean, so many aspects of it. And then you find yourself in everyday life circumstances where really that's where it applies, right? At the end of the day, you can have it, all the definitions of grace from the concordance and, you know, every theological definition. But at the end of the day, if you, ha- if you don't have an application in your life of what God's grace is for you and help you navigate through the difficulties of life, then all you have is, you know, head knowledge and it doesn't help you. And I think that's one of the you know, the dangers in the church a lot is that we hear a lot of messages by themes, you know, well, okay, let's talk about faith, let's talk about grace, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. And that's good, because we have to educate ourselves, and we have to know what we're talking about. But if you're not careful, then it looks like school, right? Subject, 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 you know, check, I got it, check, I got it, you know, where's, where, where's my certificate that I went to church for 20 years, right? And that's, that's a danger, because then what happens? You just hear this morning, get some information, you're going to become biblically smarter, I promise you that. But at the end of the day, is it going to change anything? And I think that's where I'm at with this message. Because, you know, I don't want to share you know, a lot of things, but this season of our life, it's really important to understand some of these things. So I want you to open your Bibles first and um, foremost. To, let's just start in Ephesians chapter 2, and you'll have to open it. Because <laughs> it's, it's a lot of reading. And the title of this series, I, I think you'll like the title, because I was trying to come up with, 
what I really wanted to express, and it's just simply called grace for the gutter. <laughs> and the gutter, you know, what is the gutter? Before I read it, well, the gutter just represents the low parts of life, right? It represents the brokenness. It represents, you know, the fringe. It represents the marginalized. It represents everything that people don't really want to talk about. It represents, you know, where people don't really want to stick their hands in, the homeless, the dirty, the rotten. But you know what? As I've been studying this thing, you find out that the grace of God, that's where it's the most powerful. And you find the life of Jesus, and you see how quick he left the church. And he took his message of grace to the broken, to the poor, to the sick, to the tired, to the hopeless. And that's where it became powerful. And, and what has happened is because, you know, we have said, okay, we're Christians, we got grace. It creates a weird thing in your head where hopefully it doesn't, but it tends to. They make you think you're a little better, <laughs> you know, now that, you know, because here's the thing. I don't know your story. I know some of y'all's story, right? But I know my story, for sure. I know my wife's story, for sure. And I can tell you, at least for both of us, in, in different seven years difference, because she came to God seven years before I did, it was still the same story. Grace found us in the gutter. Amen. You know, some of you, Grace might have found you in a very nice position in your life, or everything was good in your life except you didn't have God. But for a lot of us, we didn't have anything, you know. And that's where grace met us. And I think if you're not, if you're not careful, then you, you, be, you get Christianized and you forget that. You forget that God showed up in your life with you being bad. That's a good spot for an amen. You guys can be louder because I can't hear from this here. Amen. <laughs> because, you know, really, you know, we tend to think that we have to do something to reach something and that's where grace gets you know weird because grace is never about what you can do it was just god's love god's favor on you right but even that in christianity we move in knowing that we know that in our head but most of our actions and especially when things are really really difficult or when you're going through a crisis or when you're going through confusion times you know where you're saying where's god in this and a lot of times, you know, even in my life, I found out that I have a lot of, how can I, and I'm just speaking for myself now, I, I have a lot of preconceived ideas about what God is and what God isn't, but a lot of those preconceived ideas didn't really come from God. They came from people talking about God. Are you here this morning? And that, that is really dangerous too, because, you know, you get around church and people have all these opinions, and then you get these little balloons that pop up, say, well... If God is so good, why is there such a mess in the world? Right? That's a common, that's atheist's favorite line. And we, you know, we'll talk about that maybe in the next few weeks, but uh, that, is, that is wrong ideas, because as a Christian, you're like, God is good. We just sang about God is good, God is good, God is good, and he is. Say amen. But when something hits your house, and you know that you're, you know, navigating your spiritual life the best of your ability, you know, it's easy to question Where's God in this? Can I hear an amen? Am I talking to Christians? You know, we, it's okay to question it. But what happens, if you don't understand grace, then you're going to get confused, and you're going to say, well, why, how come God didn't show up in my life? How come God did, why isn't God here? I've been serving him 30 years. I've been praying, I've been giving, I've been tithing, I've been doing everything. Now I'm in this mess. Why, where is God in this thing? And that's where grace, and understanding what grace really is, 
becomes very, very significant in your life because the other option is, you know what, God, you let me down. I'm out of here. And that represents, you know, I, one of the things I've heard over you know, close to 30 years of ministry is that you, you run into people that maybe you're trying to say, hey, I want you to come to Jesus, whatever, and they're like, well, I'm mad at God. Like, wow, that's, I mean, you do realize that he is the one that breeds galaxies, right? I mean, you're mad at God. It's like he can just squish you like a bug. I mean, it's like, really, you, how, that doesn't even make sense. What you're mad at is a misunderstanding of what grace is. Amen. Y'all woke up now, right? Because you've heard this story. Maybe you felt that way. Why, why didn't God show up? How come God's not here right now? Well, it, it is a misunderstanding of grace. It is not that God isn't there because he already promised I would never leave you. Right? Never. Not till the end of the world. So, so, so the question is not where is God. If the question is do you understand grace? Okay, so with that as a, as a, as a you know, as introduction, because like I said, to me it's challenging to, you know, to say, okay, I knew God wants me to speak this message, but now I've got to think about, okay, do I go through 30 years of outlines and pull out a grace outline to give you guys this morning? No, there had to be something else. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 out of the New Living Translation. Uh, it just reads a little better. And you, you, or just know whatever, whatever translation you have, or if you have your Bible app, what have you. So Ephesians chapter 2, is a lot of reading, that's why I didn't put it on the screen. So I'm going to read a lot, and I'm going to try to not stop everything, every idea I get, like I usually do. But here, you know, Paul's explaining to the church at Ephesus, really, what grace is. And he says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Anybody remember that? Just, you know, reckless living, living like there's no God, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, we were... Hang on. This thing moved. Okay. Verse 4. But God so is rich in mercy. And I'm sorry, I, I skipped one. Verse 3. All of us used to live that way. In other words... A, God, a life that's not controlled in any, you know, uncontrolled life, following the passion, desires, inclinations of our sinful nature. By our vain, very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So where, where are we at right now? Well, basically, you know, the wages of sin is death. Checks in the mail. You sin, and sin is not you die, cease to exist. You're, just, you're living a life without God. So you're, all, you know, you're spiritually disconnected from God, so you're spiritually dead. You're not physically dead. But here's the big word that comes in. So it sounds like, hey, you know, God's mad at you, God's angry, he's mad at sinners, you know. And then he inserts this idea, which in our translation into the English language, we start with the word but, right? And if you know a little bit about the English construction, usually that means everything we said previously doesn't matter. You know, if somebody comes to you and says, I love you, but, just forget about the I love you and listen to everything that's coming after because that's really what they want to tell you. You know, it's like, you know, I don't want to hear, hurt your feelings, but no, that's where we're going. <laughs> we're going exactly there. So the but really eliminates. So the idea is really God before Jesus. In other words, the law. That's what he's referring to. The anger of God on broken law, which was self, 
if I could put it, inflicted by the nation of Israel. Now, that's, we might hit that next week, because there's some really good stuff here. Anyway, so he comes down, he says, but God, now he's going to tell you, this is your option now. You say, you're a sinner, you're under the eyes of an angry God, what have you, you know, toxic religion, control, you know, you're never good enough, what have you, that's, you know, that's religion, religion, religion. And then he says, but God is rich in mercy. So he just eliminated really that, you know, that situation where you're under condemnation of an angry God. He says, but God is rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead, meaning that, that previous life, not physically, because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace. Pay attention to this. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. Okay, so you need to hang on to that idea because everything else that you think or not to think, that you know, or you think, or you desire of God, is going to come through the same avenue. It's not going to come through any... If you were saved by grace, you are healed by grace. Yes? If you are saved by grace, you are delivered by grace. Yes? If you are saved by grace, your marriage is healed by grace. Everything God's going to do is comes under this blanket. So it's very important for the church to understand what this blanket is. I'm just going to call it, you know, the blanket of grace. You know, what is this love? Even though we have sinned, even though we have missed it, even though we deserve death, he took his life, put it on the cross for you. Amen. But not only that, he says, okay, you, 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 you know, you're going to miss hell, but your life on earth will be hell. You know, that's where a lot of people are. Like, oh, I just want to make it to the sweet by and by, and I'll just leave miserable and in conflict and in stress and in strife and broke and sick and tired till Jesus comes, or I go by the way of the grave. Well, that's really a miserable form of existence. Amen. Yes, you'll make it to heaven, but God expects a lot more than you just make it to heaven. He expects you to be a reflection of his glory, to be a blessing, to, you know, to help people out, whatever he is. But everything is coming through this idea that's called grace. So let's keep reading, and you'll see where we're going with this. Y'all here with me this morning? Okay. For he raised us. Well, I'm sorry. But but God is rich in mercy. Okay. Verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him, the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. So from God's perspective, remember, spirit is a realm. Flesh is a realm, right? We live in the natural realm. But there's also a spiritual realm. Well, from God's perspective, and this is where really you have to, this is, you know, where, let me tell you where we're going with this today. Today's message is really just to define grace. Next week, we're really going to get where the title goes, grace for the gutter. You know, grace for the things that are broken. Grace for the things that are really tore up. But right now, we need a real solid definition of what this grace is. You know, a corporate definition or a corporate understanding. Because, you know, if I ask 10 people what is grace, you probably get 10 different definitions of what is grace. Amen. All right, so let's keep reading, and let's go down to, (sighs) this is so good. Okay, verse 6, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us, who are united with Christ Jesus. Okay, let me, I know there's a lot in there. Let me back up to my previous statement and connect it to this one. So, the previous one was, he sat you down. So, in the spirit realm, this is what you've got to understand. Imagine God on the throne, if you can. 
what side is Jesus sitting on? According to the Bible, he's sitting on the right hand of the Father, right? So you got the throne, and you got Jesus sitting on the throne. And according to what we're reading here, grace is so powerful and so significant to God that when a believer understands what that means, from God's perspective, you're sitting next to Jesus. Pay attention to this, because only certain people can sit at the throne. Now, they had this big celebration. I watched all about one minute of it. You know, I'm glad she's 70 years on the throne. God bless her, you know. Queen Elizabeth, you know, she's really an icon. But, you know, there's only certain people that get to sit with her. You know, it's not like you're going to go like, hey, queen, what's up? Let me sit next to you. You know, it's not going to happen. Only very certain people sit next to you. Very special people and usually family. But you know who always is going to sit next to the queen? Royal people. The royals, right? Now, why are you playing this? Because from God's perspective, you see, and, and, and I'm going to go, I'm going to use an illustration because we're really getting to the definition of grace. So let's say you got Queen Elizabeth since it's this week that was her thing. And you got her family, and you got her, you know, conflicted children that don't talk to each other, whatever. I could really care less about all that. But my point is, you got the queen, you got the king, you know, her husband. Well, I guess he passed away, whatever. He passed, right? So, but you got the royal family. Now, let's say Prince Charles is sitting next to the queen, and Prince Charles' son is sitting next to him. That represents you on the throne. Okay, now pay, just, just go with me. So let's say the son of Prince Charles decides he wants to buy whatever he wants to buy. Let's just be honest. How many of here think that he's going to put it on a credit card? Let's just be honest. How many think he's going to ask dad if he can have it? I mean, if the kid wants a Ferrari, he's going to go buy a Ferrari. He wants a jet, he probably already has one. In other words, even though he's not the queen, because we're talking about the queen of England, he has access to everything she has, because he carries the name. He hasn't done anything, the only thing he did was born. That was his big achievement in life. You were just born into the right family, dude, right? You could have been born to somebody else on this planet, but you were born to that family. He didn't do anything. He had, no, he had absolutely nothing to do with the power that he carries. I'm taking a long time because this is where the church misses it. We understand grace. Oh, yeah, I got, you know, favor of God. But every time we go into real life situations, I, I hate to use the word every because it covers everything, but a lot of times we act like there's no grace for it. We act like we've been kicked off the throne, Right? We act like beggars. We don't have access anymore. So we're begging God, God, heal me. You know, can I, do I, have I done enough? But grace is obtained by birthright. That's it. You can't do, you can't be good enough to get grace. Now, grace will cause you to be good. Remember what we just read? Ephesians chapter, you know, chapter verse 1, it says, you were evil, you had darkness. Amen. But something happened, and now goodness has come in. And where you used to cheat and lie and steal and take advantage of people, now, now that bugs you. Now, you might still be doing it, remember? Because just getting born again doesn't really change anything, but it does change something inside. So you still might be used to cheating and lying and taking advantage of people, but now something in you says, hey, that's not the way you're supposed to act. That's not the way, listen to this, royalty acts. 
Because royalty holds a standard. And here's where people get, you know, this whole thing raised. Because grace came to you by birthright. Now, how you manage it, and, you know, and I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I don't really care enough about the royal family to spend that much time on it. But if you think about, what's this, the one that got mad and married the other lady? And you guys know it. No, no saben como que no saben. You guys know exactly what I'm talking Wherever. And he got crosswise with his family. And, he, and I thought, this guy's so stupid, man, because, I mean, really... You know, and I don't know if they cut him off. I guess not because they're billionaires, basically. But that kid, you know, that's a perfect example of Christian. Because the throne still has everything absolute that you need. Now, we're not, we're not going to compare God to the drama of the royal family, but it's kind of the same thing, right? You got everything you need with God, but something in your, in your psyche, in your system says that's not enough. I need something else. And he's not giving me enough, and now grace becomes this weird thing in you. Because we act like, no, you know, we talk like we know what grace is, but then we act like it doesn't exist. That's all right. Brought my own. All right. Let's finish this up. Not the message, just this. Some of you are like, woo, we're going to get out early. Whatever. God saved us by his grace, verse 8, when? When you believed. That's all you had to do, right? That's the access to grace, is just believe in it. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us in you in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So, again, I'm going to, you can spend a lot of time in here. That's not what I want to do, because I've got to get something else. But what he's basically saying is, if you... Figure this thing of what grace is and how much God loves you and how, how this thing works and quit trying to find the reasons. And that's what we're going to, we're about to move into this now because our conception or our ideas of grace that have been influenced by people, have been influenced by religion, have been influenced by bad doctrine, those are the things that we have to deal with. And one of those is, I know I said it briefly, but just so everybody's in rhythm because we're about to go there is the fact that when everything goes good in your life, grace is amazing. Oh, I love Jesus. But when things, when you go through a season of turmoil, when you go through a season of confusion, then grace becomes something else. It becomes almost a stick that you will, how can I put it, I'm trying to find the right words, you would almost judge God with. Like, God, if you have so much grace, how come I'm going through this? If you love me so much, how come I'm going through this? You know, that's why I say the stick, you know, you're pointing. If you're such a good God, God, why did this happen in my family? Are you following? And that is all over the world. And that's, you know, that's the fuel of atheism. That's, that's how their conversations start. You know, if there's a God, you talk to any atheist and they'll probably start like this. If there's a God, why is there so much evil in the world? If you guys love this loving, loving, loving God, why, you know, why is there so much evil and destruction and death and horror that we hear and people shooting up schools and all this crazy stuff. Why, where is God in all this? And that's where the devil just plays his game. See? Why do you believe in him? I told you he was going to let you down. I told you he's not real. The devil's the first one that's going to tell you he's not real. I told you, you gave your life to Christianity. Look, what, what did you get out of it? And boy, he'll start pounding you and pounding you and pounding you. And he'll make you think like this is your worst decision you ever made in your life. But he's quick to... Not remember, let, not let you remember what your life was before you had an encounter with God. Amen? 
Now, not everybody has a different story. You know, some of you might be real, you know, huge story of deliverance. Some others, no, you know, I was Christian my whole life. Well, wonderful. That's actually a bigger testimony than coming out of the world to be able to maintain yourself. So my point is, all this information is going to pound and pound and pound and pound till you get confused about who God is and you get confused about what grace is. Because we have a lot of information, a lot of belief systems that are based on bad information. And that one is, well, grace has to be more than just favor. Because that's your definition. What's grace? Oh, favor of God. Really? That's it? The favor of God. So if I have the favor of God, that means I can walk on water? I mean, what is the favor of God? Is it, it, what is it? Does it mean I can lay hands on the sick and they recover? What is the favor of God? What is the grace? Of, is it tangible? Is it a person? Is it, how, do I, how do I even know I'm walking in it? Okay, so let's go to a really... This is going to get good. This is where we're, we're going to get to the meat of it. Go with me now to... Um, let me open this thing up. To 2 Corinthians chapter 7 through 10. Now, I'm going to bring you up to where we are at, so I don't have to read more. So Paul is making a reference to, you've heard this, and it's been preached all kinds of ways, the thorn in the flesh. Amen? You've heard this, you know, the thorn in the flesh. And it can be, so we don't really know, there's not a lot of clarity. Some people say it was sickness that he had over his eyes, it could be. But others believe it was a severe attack on his message. I mean, remember, back in, back in this day, they didn't, they didn't talk trash on Facebook. They, they killed you, okay? It's just a little different, you know, just a little different. You know, they didn't post something. If they didn't like you, they would prove you were a heretic pretty easily on either a pagan heretic or a Christian heretic. It didn't matter. And you would be probably stoned to death, as Paul was once, and you know, already. So he's coming from a different perspective. So I think the thorn in the flesh was this movement that was just harassing and beating him and hitting him. But even if you want to play at sickness, that's fine. You know, see, well, you know, because people get on, get on and say, oh, you guys believe in healing and Paul was sick. Well, uh, yes, we believe in healing, but that doesn't mean we don't get sick. We believe in healing. We get, there's sickness. We believe in healing. We do the natural. We do the supernatural. And here we are. Say amen. That's how healing works, right? So Paul addresses this. And it's a phenomenal statement because, I mean, this thing is so, so powerful and so deep into really the mechanics of grace. And, and, and we're just going to go where the Holy Spirit takes us on this, but listen to this. So Paul begins to, to explain this. He says, the extraordinary level of revelations I've received is no reason for anyone to exalt me. For this is why a thorn in my flesh was given to me, the adversary's messenger sent to harass me, keeping me from becoming arrogant. Now, what we have to clear up right here first is who sent it. Because a lot of people, I've heard this preach, God put the thorn on him to keep him humble. Well, it doesn't say that. Let's read it. It doesn't say God put the thorn to keep him humble. Now, he understood the humility of it. For example, you get arrogant. You can get arrogant really easily. You can get really arrogant behind this pulpit. All right? And what happens with the arrogance of any kind is that grace is eliminated or diminished because arrogance, we just finished a whole series, guys, on what? You already forgot, I'll preach it all again. On the ego. Arrogance is one of the characteristics of ego. So what, what, what 
Paul was saying says, this thing was given to me by Satan, not by God. But I know one thing, since I have this on me, whatever, you, whatever it can be, sickness or disease or people attacking, whatever it is, it's keeping me focused. That's what he's saying. Whatever this attack is, it keeps me focused. And I'll tell you something, when you think you're riding high on the spirituality wave of whatever your life thing to you is, and it, all it takes is one crisis in your life to help you realize how fragile you are. And how deep your spirituality is. Amen. Because that's where people say, well, God sent it to him to keep him humble. That's not what it says. Read it in any translation you want. It says, I received, well, let me put it, for this is why a thorn in my flesh was given. Why? He already told you why it was given. God was feeding him. So much insight and so much revelation. Paul saw the third heaven. He wasn't one of the original 12. He, never, he didn't see Jesus. He might have seen Jesus you know, preaching, but he wasn't part of the team. But he saw Jesus. I mean, he was up there. You agree with that? Paul was beyond the other 11. That's why he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. My point is, when God begins to deal with you, on insight, revelation. He might give you a million dollar idea. And you go and make the million dollars. And you went from broken, humble to rich and arrogant. You get it? So here the key is a humility. Because that, you know, we did a whole month on this. Ego, and for those of you who weren't here, you need to go back to the podcast. And I'm serious, you really do. It's, it helped me personally a lot. How many did it help you, serious? Anybody? Like, honestly, like you see things a little different about your ego and interacting with people and all that. So here it really is about that ego. Now, God did not, pay attention, God did not put that on there, but God did permit it. <laughs> okay? So, listen to, so he says, this thing is on me. It's either people harassing him or a severe sickness. You choose. Because it's not clear. I'm just telling you, it's not really clear in the Bible. But then I went to God three times. Question, how many of you have gone to God about a certain situation in your life, a certain crisis in your life, a certain sickness and disease, a certain situation in your marriage or with your kids? I mean, I could go down the list of human crises that we all live with. How many times have you gone to God more than once over that situation? Don't raise your hand, but you know what I'm talking about. God, I need help here. God, please fix it here. Lord, how are we going to get through this? Paul did that three times. Lord, get him off of me. Lord, heal me. Picture, you know, whichever one it was, it was the same thing. It was a problem for him. He, he wanted this thing off of him. Whatever it is, he wanted it off of him. And it wasn't coming off. So now Paul, like most of us, could question. Did God leave? Did just God all of a sudden just take off and pack and just let me out here to hang and dry and watch my family go under? Is that it? So Paul's asking the same thing, right? Because Paul, he's got all this revelation. He's seen things nobody's seen. He understands things nobody understands. And he has the revelations of grace that we have today. We got them from Paul, primarily. So he's, you know, if he's not careful, then he gets high-minded, right? That's what, that's what his concern. Of all these revelations I've received, don't exalt me. Because one thing I became aware, Satan sent something to keep me grounded. Satan made me see something that, you know, in a bad way, this is real. 
Because it's funny, you know, you come to church, you hear all these amazing things, but sometimes we go into real life and, it, and it's, it's, it, it's hard to, to take these truths and make them in every day. Right? And that's what this church has always been about. This church has never been about anything else. The only thing this ministry has ever been about is to take the truth of God and make them applicable in your day, everyday life. That's all I've ever done. So we face a crisis. We face a challenge. We go to God three times, four times, ten times. Pick your number. But Paul went three times. I pleaded with God, Lord, take this off. Say amen if you've been there. I've been there many times. But God answered. And the answer is not what you expect. We don't want, you know, it's like, you know, you go to the drive-thru, you know, you order a hamburger and they give you chicken strips. You know, that's not what I ordered, Lord. I ordered for this to be eliminated from my life. I didn't order more grace. That's where I'm telling you, we have these weird, how can I put it, mental dynamics about how God is supposed to bless us. And how God is supposed to take care of stuff. And how God is supposed to heal me, feel me, and make me prosperous. And all these wonderful things. We have this twisted way of seeing things. And to be honest, it's a very shallow way of seeing things. Very, very shallow. But that's the message, right? That the church likes those messages. Hey, you're going to be fine. Jesus loves you. You've got grace. God's going to prosper. You're going to be great. You're not going to suffer. That's not the message of the Bible. That's not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is the me- is a message of human struggle and human brokenness and the inability of humans to help themselves. The whole Bible is about suffering and brokenness, including the life of Jesus. Are you still here this morning? So for us to preach a gospel that it's a big puffy pillow, that's not the message of the Bible. Amen. The message of the Bible is God grants you everything you need to go through the stinking little life that we call here. And we navigate. And where other people can't do it because they'll kill themselves because it's so difficult and so hard to live, you got the Spirit of God. That doesn't mean, he never promised you, you would, hey, come to me and all your problems will be done with. That was the case every church in America would be packed up. No. It was a life, think about the fundamentals of Christianity. Servanthood. Laying your life down for somebody else. Giving your resources for somebody else. Praying. Putting up with. Giving your time for free, as those of you that run this church, basically, you come and clean, you come and play, you come and worship. I mean, that's, Christianity is really about reducing you and letting him become bigger. And we've turned it into Christianity is about us becoming bigger, more and more everything. And God is our little side thing we just keep in our pocket in case we need it. Amen? Ooh, okay. All right. We'll get there. We'll get there. Some of you are like, oh, pastor, that's harsh. No, it's not. I'm telling you. He answered, my grace is always more than enough. Stop. Now, I don't know if that's what Paul wanted to hear. <laughs> because he didn't ask for grace. He asked for deliverance. But God said, my grace is always more than enough for you. Now here's where it really, really, really gets good. And my power, so now we know that grace and power are related. Yeah? So, you know, he's interchanging the words. He says, my grace, my power. So your first definition of grace now is the power of God. It's right there. 
So if you're looking for a definition of, of grace, and, and it has a lot, because grace is not a thing. Grace is really his personality manifested in your life. But one thing that it carries is power. So you could say, my power is always more than enough for, for you, and my grace. I'm just changing words to make a point. But it's a, you, know, you can interchange these words and still be fine. So he says, my grace finds its full expression. So grace is trying to express itself. But it, do, it, does not ex, it cannot express itself, and I, it sounds like we're plugging in the message from last Sunday, right? Even though we're on a new series. But grace cannot manifest itself in a heart of arrogance. Amen. Because arrogance always goes back to that series we did. I've done this. I got this. And that's what was happening. It wasn't happening to Paul, but the danger of this happening to Paul was there. Amen? And this is a very dangerous thing, guys. I mean, you don't, you don't play with this. You know, you've got to be sensitive to this arrogant, spiritual arrogance thing. There's a story I was going to share last week, and I, and I really put the break on right at the end of the service. I didn't believe it was appropriate. And then right now it's kind of like bubbling in my spirit. And I'm not going to give any names. But some of you might have seen this. Uh, two weeks ago, it was all over TikToks, all over Facebooks, all over the news of the pastor. You guys know what I'm talking about? The 16-year-old and all that? None of you saw that? Okay, well, if you didn't, good. It was all over the news. Anyhow, I know him. I preached with him. I preached with him in Ukraine. And without saying any more names or anything about the details of this thing, and I'm, again, that's why I'm being sensitive. By no means do I want to talk about the person. Because what he did or what he did, that's, his, that's between him and God. That's none of my business. But he, this person was a very arrogant person. And he went to Ukraine and really tore up verbally a friend of ours, a friend of you. I'll tell you who it was, Terry, Terry Mize. And I was, at, I, was, I was going all over Ukraine back, you know, 2018, I guess, 2019, last time I went. And all, all my friends, you know, like Pastor Andre says, hey, what's up with Terry? And I'm like, I said, no, 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 that's not what happened. Oh, Terry, no, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. And, I, you know, and, I, and everywhere I went, you know, I went from Kiev, and then I went to, you know, the other side of the, I went to Chernivtsi, and the same thing, hey, what's going on? Because, you know, he went over, and he, he did a lot of work in Ukraine. He did a lot of good work. He was just recently over there, and they took, you know, whatever. But he, he had this hidden sin. And again, and it hit, like I said, this thing hit the fan last week. It was huge. Again, if you didn't see it, don't Google it. But anyway. And to me, when I, when I first saw it, I'm like, what, what? Oh, I know him. But he always carried himself very proudfully. And even though he did a lot of great work, and again, I'm not talk, this is not about him. It's about that arrogance firsthand. And for him to go and really just defame a man of God on a sin that he was just exposed to. That's what arrogance does. The hidden sin of this man is what he went over there and lied about Terry. Fast forward four years. Como dice en español, Dios no se queda con nada. In English, it doesn't sound the same. Amen. But God watches everything. And it was brutal what happened to this man. I mean, he's done ministries over. I mean, it was on video. It's just really, really, really complicated. And I'm thinking, wow. You know, you had no remorse to be to inflate yourself and to bury another ministry that, on complete basis of lies, because none of it was true. 
And now look at you. Look at you. The same thing you went and said somebody else did to, to defame them, to break them, you've been judged. And you've been found guilty. And your ministry's over. And over in a horrific way. Because there's still charges pending and there's all kinds of stuff. That's what arrogance does to you. I mean, that's a pretty harsh story, you know. But you see, these are people that I know personally, that I've seen, and, and I saw, you know, and they had big, big church, way bigger than our, every, big ministry. And it's like, boom, it's done. Because that is the crime. And so Paul, I'm trying, and I'm spending a lot of time on this, but that little thing keeps coming up, you know, since Paul's saying, when I began to get all these revelations, guess what came? The attack. And sometimes when you feel you're going under attack, the very first thing you want to do, and, you know, and it's okay, you want to make a spiritual inventory, right? Where am I missing it? Which doors am I leaving open? Am I cheating, lying, you know, whatever. But a lot of times, that, you know, if, if you're not careful, you, you'll always go there, and it's not always that. Sometimes God's starting to give you some information. You know, our team that's going to Cuba, tell me, you guys d- don't receive any pressure. You guys are just going to waltz yourself right into Cuba and do the children's ministry, and you're going to waltz yourself back, and there's going to be absolutely no... Oh, it's not, that's, that doesn't work that way. There'll be sickness and attacks on them. There'll be stuff to tell them don't go. There'll be stuff to say, what are you doing there? They, you know, and, and by the way, guys... You, if you want to go to Cuba, don't go in the summer. And they're going smack right in the middle of it. They're, I mean, oh, by the way, I put an air conditioner for you guys down there. I'm just kidding. No, like, like well, hey, by the way, uh, like side testimony. I haven't checked with you, but it looks like he was supposed to have the AC running this Sunday. Isn't that awesome? Guys, you guys don't think that's important. There's no churches in Cuba with AC. I've never been to one. And I've been to a lot of churches in Cuba. There's not one with AC. This will be the first that I've been to with an air conditioning system. You know what that's going to do to that church? It's huge. You got, I mean, the, te- the testimony of that church is the testimony of this church. Amen? I, don't, you know, I got on that, uh, that little thing. I just want to share. So, I felt so good you know, seeing this, watch, going to that building. No walls over the years and over the years and over the years. The walls come up. The roof came up. And now we finally got that AC in there. That's, that's amazing. Anyway. My point of this, how are you going to connect it, Pastor? Arrogance has no room for this. And spiritual arrogance is the number one enemy of grace. So if you want to start navigating in a life where God moves His grace, you have to do those spiritual checks. And really, there are so many things. That if you're not careful, well, let me put it this way. When you're going through storms of any flavor, what you got to do is you got to say what Paul said. Thank you, Gilly. Now, pay attention to me because it really gets good. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord. Lord, help, 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 help. He said, nope, my grace is always more than enough for you. And here's where it comes really good. My power, where does it, where, where is grace expressed the best? It's right there, guys. It's not a trick question. It's expressed in the weakness. In other words, I could say it this way, you know, just to play off the title of my series, grace is at its best in the gutter. Grace is the most powerful when you're done with you. Grace is more powerful when all your resources have been exhausted. Now you're in a place of complete humility. 
You see, brokenness, we tend to think it's a bad thing, and there's a bad version of brokenness, and there's a bad teaching of brokenness. You got to be broke, you got to be broke. You know, that's not what the Bible says. But brokenness is more of an internal break where you say, Lord, I can't do this anymore. That's what Paul was saying. He says, Lord, take it off, take it off. And by the third time, when he saw that this thing, either the attack or the sickness, pictures, when it wasn't going off, by the third time, he had an insight. He says, there's something else going on. Thanks, sir. There's something else going on. What is it? Why am I not receiving? I've asked God three times and it's not working. There has to be something else. And then God drops this into his spirit. And this is so powerful, church. He says, my power finds its full expression through your weakness. And here it comes. So I will celebrate my weakness. When's the last time you did that? Oh, I don't know. My church went Baptist. Um, Let's try this again. When's the last time that you had a crisis and you were like, woohoo, yes? Because uh, this is repeated in James. Count it all joy when you go through diverse tests and trials. You're like, James, no, that's not happening. <laughs> I want to complain, I want to cry, I want a shoulder to cry on, I want to have a big pity party, invite all the depressed friends that I have to it. Where is grace the more powerful? So grace is the power of God. Let me hook up because I'm a Mexican. I need both hands. That's how, you know, if you say, Pastor, we need you to not preach so long. Just one of you just come up here, grab my hands. Sermon's over. Okay. We're almost down to verse 10. We're almost there, guys. I'm just trying to work this thing so you get something. So then he goes, let's let's keep working to verse 9. My grace is always more than enough for you. My power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weakness. For when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. That statement is a phenomenal statement because, you know, I like the presence of God. By the way, um, you know, the praise and worship today was so good and you know, they're coming up and they're just doing such a good job. And the presence of God was here. And it's amazing, you know, and, and you, you feel it, you walk with it. But if you're not careful, that you, you, in other words, you sense it in a good place. That's where I'm going with this. You sense it in a church environment. Oh, church was awesome. Church was great. You know, but then you go to the real world with the same, the, the real challenges, the doctor's reports, the banker's reports, or whatever reports. And now it gets weird because you want to replicate the, oh, it's so wonderful, Jesus. But in the real world, it's hard to replicate it. And I'll tell you why. Because you're still limiting grace. That's really the bottom line. You're limiting that ability of God to do something in your life. So he goes on to say, I will celebrate my weakness. And here's, this is such a powerful thing because what is it going to take for me, you know, to really be able to recognize what areas are weak? Because let's be honest, most of us do not want to accept we're weak. And especially men. And especially Mexican men, because we got the whole macho trip, right? So, accepting weakness is, is so counter to ego. Yes? Because the ego always wants to portray, oh, I'm, I'm strong, I got it all together, look, you know, I got this, I don't want you to think bad about me because I got it all together. So we've perfected phoniness in the church. 
And we perfected phoniness in our workplace, and we perfected phoniness with our family, and we perfected phoniness because we just figure that phoniness is easier to, to handle than to handle the reality that we're dealing with. Because here's, here's the thing where Christians, I think, and, and I'm speaking to myself after 30 years of navigating this, not just from a ministerial perspective, but from a human, trying to understand Jesus, is that we walk and we walk and walk in life, but every time we face a crisis, we, our default is me. Right? How, say it, am I going to fix it? That's our default. That's exactly what Paul was doing. I'm sure he tried to fix the problem first. It didn't get fixed, so then he went to God. I don't think he went to God first. <laughs> How many times have you had, just raise your hand. You have a crisis, and you just go, I got to fix this. And when you're done, whoo, you should have left that thing alone. It, was, it, it had one flat. By the time you were done, it had four flats and the spare was flat too. <laughs> like my, 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 dad, my, my dad used to say, get your little monkey fingers out of it. I'm like, I don't, why monkey fingers, dad? <laughs> In other words, you're touching, you're going to mess it up. Well, that's what we're doing with grace. Because every time we face a challenge, we go into our default, and our default is usually one of two things. Can I fix it? How, you know, how can I fix it? You know, can I get a bunch of people to help me fix it? And then the last one is, how come God didn't fix it? Or, you've been living your Christian life in this rhythm so long that you don't even care to talk to God about it anymore. You come to church, you do the Christian thing, you love Jesus, you're going to heaven, you pray every morning. But when crisis comes, you're so used to trying to fix these stuff on your own that you don't even think about grace. You pray, Lord, 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 heal my body. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Heal my body. And then you go and figure out how to do this. And God was about to download how maybe you had to change the way you eat and stuff that you didn't really didn't want to hear. Right? Grace. Because grace, grace is the most powerful in weakness. Grace is not powerful where you think you got it together because I'll tell you what, grace can't go there. Stop thinking as grace as something as to make you understand it a little better because it's really not something, it's someone. Because God, if you, could, if you could picture God, and this is just my perspective, because, I mean, who can really understand what God is? You know, in the last few weeks, even in my study, I, I believe you know, the Lord helped me understand this, but I'm, I'm getting used to using the word spirit instead of the word the spirit. It's just for my personal understanding, because spirit means it's everywhere. When you say the spirit, you, you locate it. Oh, the spirit. Oh, the church, oh, the spirit at the church was so awesome. Well, that spirit is in the whole world. Do you sense it or not, right? So, so it's spirit. Y'all tracking with me? Now watch. So, spirit speaks to spirit. And spirit that hears God needs to speak to your mind. And if your mind has made a decision that you've got to fix this thing on your own, you're not hearing spirit anymore. That's a very simple way of doing it. Spirit talks to spirit, spirit talks to mind. Mind has to be humble. Because if mind is arrogant, it doesn't receive. Because you and your psyche, you already figured this out. Either for bad or for better, you already figured it out. So that's where Paul was, you know. And then, but I like, I like this thing, I will celebrate my weakness. What causes this celebration? I mean, how can you be happy when all hell broke loose? Because you realize that you can't fix it. And that is the peace of God. When a human gets to the point that says, 
I'm done. Lord, if you can't fix it, it don't need to be fixed. Instead of throwing your fist to heaven, how come you haven't fixed it? No, you go to God and say, Lord, I don't understand all these dynamics in my life. I don't understand where all this is coming from. But I know one thing, your grace is all I need for this situation. What happens? Your humility opens up for your spirit, man, to get the downloads. Ah, and now you have information on how to get out of the mess. In other words, God's not going to leave you in the mess. But many times we already try to figure out how he's going to get us out of the mess. And unless he does it according to our plan, we're not going to have any of it. And I'm so, oh, it's amazing how you, you come up with something or you pray for something, you pray for something, and you pray for something, and God answers it in a completely different way. Anybody? Yeah. He answers it in a completely different way. Because you know what? He knows what's best for you. Because you don't know what's best for you. So we finish. So I celebrate my weakness. Why? Because I can't fix it. Woohoo! Now you see where the celebration comes from? The joy of not having to fix it. You guys are so depressed this morning. Come on, smile a little bit. The joy of not having to spend time worrying about it. The joy of not having to stay up all night, you know, wringing your fingers. What am I going to do? The joy that, you know what, yes, if I die, I'm going to see him. Because at the end of the day, that's the goal, right? So our little life here, as hard as it is, as miserable as it is, are the attacks that you're receiving, the, the, you know, the different information, at the end of the day, it makes not a whole lot of difference. So now I start looking at my circumstances on a very simple point that I'm getting out of this. That if I can see it, it is subject to change, but not by my will. If I can see it, it has the ability to change. That's what faith does, right? That cause of things that are not Finish it as though they were. We're going to send all of you all to super kids, I'm telling you. Faith and grace always navigate together. And if I could illustrate it this way, grace makes available... No, let me put this. Faith makes available what grace made. Understand that. Faith is the connection to grace. But grace is the favor of God on your life. Meaning, when you realize how this thing works, you stop stressing, you stop trying to figure stuff out. Because here, and, and by the way, this is not a cop-out. You say, well, you know, I'm going through a financial crisis or I'm, and I need some help. And God gives me information. You know, is that, you know, yes, he will. He'll help you out of any problem. But he needs, he needs, in other words, it's not God holding out. It's you not being able to receive. Does that make sense? So, watch how he finishes this out. He says, for when I'm weak, I sense more deeply. And that is so true in my life, in the things that, that this family has faced over the years, where it was really, really dark, and really, really confusing and really, really tiring. And when you're done, done, and I've been there a few times in the last six months, you find out his presence is there. 
You really do. I mean, when you're done, done, and you're broken, and you're weak, and you're, and you're just there, and you're like, in that state, God says, oh, come on, let me, let's take care of this. That's what he's trying to get you to understand. So, I am not defeated. Say that. Say like like you're, you're actually winning. I'm not defeated. If you were a football team, I would beat you any day. We're not defeated. I'm not defeated. Say it. What are you dealing with right now? Say it. Put whatever you're dealing with in. Don't say that. And say, I'm not defeated over it. Say it. Sickness and disease, financial crisis, your kids are acting all crazy and wild, your marriage is a mess. What is it? Say it. I'm not defeated. You see, you guys are having trouble saying it. You know why you're having trouble saying it? Because that thing is still hitting you in your head. You don't think it's enough just to say, no, it's not enough. But he's saying, I am not defeated by my weakness. I am not defeated by this thing. Because guess what? It's not my weakness anymore. We're getting to this. When I realize that the areas that I am weak in are the areas that he is open to fix, then that weakness is not really my weakness, is it? He says, I am not defeated by my weakness, but delighted for when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment. That's why I was telling you that, that more than likely it was people. When I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. And here it comes for my weakness. My weakness becomes a portal to God's power. Isn't that powerful? Now, this is a for I mean, I'm sorry, this Passion Translation, you know, King James, but they all read the same way. But I love the way the Passion puts that last line. My weakness becomes a portal to God's grace. Remember, we're interchanging the word power and grace because it's the same thing. My weakness. So now, listen, when you, when you leave this building, when you go into your regular life this week and you find those situations and you see those situations where you're like, wow, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? How are we going to pay for this? How are we going to navigate through this? That's the moment. If you're by yourself, you do it with God by yourself. You do it with God on your side. If you're with your wife and she's a believer, you do it with your wife or you're with your family. But at the end of the day, you just got to recognize for my weakness is not something bad. You, you guys know what a portal is, right? It's a door. It's just a door. Because, you know, if you're not careful, you go back to some of these default, popular Christian, or I can say Christianese or Christian sayings, you know, that, that we sing. And it's okay that, to sing these songs. You know, I, I'm a musician. I love to play. I like to sing to the Lord. But it's what... Is it all? We're powerful. We're the church. Glory. We got this. Woohoo. We're going to take over the world. I think that's quite arrogant. Even as a church to say that. Because if you're not careful, churches get arrogant. If you go to big cities where there's a lot of churches, woo, some of those churches, they carry their church attendance like a badge. Right? What church do you go to? Well, I go to the, you know, the little Pentecostal church of the street. Wow, I go to Elevation. You know, what is this? Are we competing with each other now? But that's that arrogance. And people wonder, why isn't God free to move more? And really, I think God is really desiring to move on the planet Earth like he's never moved before. I really believe that. The world is, if you read Romans, um, what is it, chapter 1, chapter 2, where it says the earth, chapter 2, right, where the earth is groaning for the manifestation of the children of God. That's where we're at. The world is groaning. I mean, look at the world. My God, it's a mess. And you know what? The world is groaning for you to show up. But not for you to show up so like some arrogant Christian that's got it all together, but for you to show up in full humility and help a dying world and help hurting people. 
Are you here this morning? You see, if we're going to talk about grace, we have to talk about where it is before we can talk about anything else. And grace is always found in the place where you give it up. And this, that la- if you didn't get anything else out of this, that last line is what you've got to take home. I am made stronger because my weakness is, something, is not something I should shy away from. The things that I've determined in my life that I cannot fix, that I'm too weak to fix this, that should not be something we you know, hide in the closet of our mind and say, oh, I don't want to touch that because I'm all Mr. Box powerful. You've got to take care of everything. No, everyone in this room has many weaknesses, including myself. And everyone in this room has the grace available to you. Isn't that amazing? That until you recognize that you need help, help's not coming. Till you recognize, till you break yourself down and say, God, I'm done with this. Fix it. How? And you know what he's going to tell you? I'm going to fix it, but I'm going to fix you. Fix my wife. He'll say, no, I'm going to start with you. Then I'll fix her. Oh, Lord, these kids. No, I'm going to start with you. That's where you're going to say, because God said, instead of telling those kids off all the time and spanking them and grounding them and pulling their phones, maybe there's a different thing. Well, oh, no, that's the way my parents raised me. I'm going to raise my kids that way. I'll say, God, okay, I can't talk to you because you're arrogant. So every time you pray for anything you pray, and anything you pray for this morning, your marriage, your finances, your family, you know, life, health, make sure you find that place where you can acknowledge that the only way it's going to get fixed is through God's Spirit. Now, how does he fix it? He can do a supernatural miracle. I've seen those. They're wonderful. But in a humble heart, which I think is more powerful, or in a weak, if I can use his terminology, in a weakness or in a weakened, recognized soul. That's even a word. Somebody that's recognized their brokenness, that's where it begins to grow powerful. That's where this whole thing, I'm made yet stronger. There's not one person in this building that does not want to walk out of here stronger spiritually. But everything you find in the Bible is such a contradiction to the way the world does it. I want to be stronger. Humble yourself. I want to have more influence. Wash your feet. I want to have more money. Give. Right? Everything, everything that, that, that God says is counter to the way, the way the world. And I think one of the reasons he, he does this is because of this. God doesn't want you broke. God wants you prosperous, but he doesn't just want you prosperous so you think you're all it. He wants you prosperous so you can change the world. So we can build stuff in Cuba. So we can do stuff in Ukraine, right? So really, this, the, what I want you to leave this morning, I'm done, because I was going to go something else, but if, if I do, then we're... We're not going to be done for a long time. So. Um, I want you to leave you with this this morning. Recognize this week. What I said at the front end of this message. The only message that Faithway has is for you to take something that can make your life a little bit better. You have to practice it? Yes, yeah, just like you have to practice the ego. <laughs> wow, that's a big practice, right? Every time that thing flares up. every. Now that I recognize it, I recognize it all the time. Well, I want to recognize my weaknesses. I really do. I, 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 instead of saying, you know, oh, the gospel, it's all about victory, victory, victory. No, it is. But victory starts from weakness. That's where the victory starts. It doesn't start from being strong. It starts from recognizing that we need a God. Amen? So, I think I got one more. Let's see if I can, I don't know if I have it. Yeah, give me the, the next one and we'll close with the last two slides. I, just wanna, I wanna show you this one and then we'll pick up next week. Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy, my dear son, this is so good. Live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace. 
Pay attention. Which is your true strength. You see, when I read the Bible and I find the word true strength, my, my head immediately goes, and, oh, there must be a false strength. <laughs> That's the way I read the Bible. There must be a false strength. Well, the false strength, you know what? That's why we're all worn out. That's why we're all drinking monsters all day. I mean, what is it with you, you know, younger people? Why do you all need all that energy anyway? I'm just curious. You, you know, you realize our generation grew up without energy drinks, and somehow we're here. We're not asleep. Anyway. Um, <laughs> which is your true strength? Well, once again, weakness. Here comes a, almost like an oxymoron, right? Boom. We're talking about weakness. Now you're talking about strength, Pastor? Yep. Free. Flowing grace, which is your true strength, found in the anointing of Jesus and your union with him. Where did we start? God sat down, Jesus sat down, and you're sitting down in royalty. But that royalty comes from understanding that the only reason you're there is because grace. And since the only reason I'm here is grace... I'm going to take care of it, I'm going to think about it, and I'm going to apply it in my life. Give you the last one. I mean, for this morning, I've got one more. And this is, I want to close with a statement. Grace is really just a spiritual condition of one governed by the power of divine grace. It's a spiritual condition of a person that has given it all up, still is going to, you know, it doesn't change your life, it doesn't change where you work, it doesn't change any of these things. But now you navigate. Years and years ago, this is going to help you bring it home. I was dealing, you know, like stuff, and I was really mad about something like I usually am, trying to help me Jesus. And I was really mad at a certain situation, people, whatever. And I knew I was supposed to forgive. I mean, don't you hate it when... When God makes you do that, like, you forgive them. I don't want to forgive them. <laughs> They're your kids, like Moses, right? Your children. No, your children. And I'm, and I'm struggling with releasing this. And it was pretty serious, you know, I mean, in the natural sense. But And God dropped a little, thing, a little nugget in my spirit. I'm talking probably 12 years ago now. No, and more, 13 years ago. And he said, the grace that you ask of me is the grace that I ask you to give. That was it. Well, that was enough to mess me up for about six months, right? Because what is he saying? When you go to God and you miss it, you sin and whatever version of sin is. There are no worst sins, best sins, just sin, right? You miss the mark. And you go to God and you say, Lord, I repent. And you, and you get all spiritual right now. You're like, Lord, you remember my sins no more. Right? You cast them into the deepest sea. And yes, he does all of that. He says, I will remember your sins no more. That's what grace does. Question, are you remembering people's sins? Are you remembering people's transgressions against you? Are you holding them hostage because of what they did to you? Y'all don't like to finish, right? Because the grace that you ask God to forgive you of your shortcomings is the only thing God's asking you to deliver to other people's shortcomings. And if you can navigate that, you pump up your grace level. 
Because now when somebody does something wrong, you don't have to hold on to it because there's a, there'll be a day when you're going to let God down. Sometimes it's many times a day. <laughs> and every time, God's faithful and just. To what? To forgive your sin. Yes? Every time. You can, you can go to God for the same sin over and over, and he'll say, yeah, I forgive you, I forgive you. Just fix it, dude, come on. But he's not going to hold it against you. So if you really want to really start moving in this grace, practice forgiving people by grace. Even people that maybe not be around in your life anymore, but you're still harboring that. And when I say forgive, doesn't, I don't never mean go hang out with them. That's another another. I'm just saying release things through grace. You don't understand, Pastor, what they did to me, how they hurt me. You know, and trust me, I've heard a lot of horror stories in my life from abuse, from sexual abuse, you know, all, every, everything you can imagine, I've heard of it. And it's really hard to t- tell somebody in counseling, and they're just broken down with this horrible, horrible pain. And as a pastor, I have to be super sensitive because I just can't say, oh, just forgive and forget. It doesn't work that way. When you've been damaged physically and damaged in your mind, you don't just say something, oh, just forgive them. Let me pray for you. There has to be something more. You've got to take them through this. And if and a person that can see what I'm teaching you this morning will release these things from their life. I'm talking serious abuse, you know, things that are mess up your head. And I've, I've, I've counseled these people, and if I can take them through the process of this, you can see it. I mean, sometimes it's not one session, sometimes it's a bunch, but you get to the point where they're like, wow, I see it. There's no reason to be held, you know, to be held captive by anger. There's no reason to be held captive by unforgiveness. Amen. Grace. Pastor, watch this. I can't forgive. What does that mean? That means you're weak. Perfect. If you say, I can't forgive, you're in the best position for grace to help you forgive. But you have to recognize, right? You can't just say, I'm not going to forgive. You go, Lord, I can't forgive this person. I cannot forgive him, so Lord, I'm done. I cannot do it, Lord. I am weak in the area of releasing these people. And God will say, okay, let's work on it. And you'll find out that in a very short time, even the thought of those people doesn't bother you anymore. Because you know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, Mexicans, if we see a color that looks like the car color of the person that hurt us, we're already mad, right? It's not even the person, yeah? (laughs) Stand to your feet. Let's stop. Hopefully you saw something this morning. That was my mission. Show you something. Show you something. What I want you to do is it's very personal between you and the Lord. And and I'll speak to our online church also. I never know who's watching, so I I do want to say this. You know, we are saved by grace. We are healed by grace. We are under protection by grace. Everything comes through this favor. So the very first thing I want everyone in this room to do, and anyone watching me online, I'm pretty sure everyone here is confident everyone knows Jesus, but if you don't, pray this prayer. But you might add something, because I'm going to add this idea of grace into this prayer. And you're going to ask, God, show me my weakness. Because I want grace to be at its 100% in my life. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I stand before you as a sinner that needs grace. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I believe with all of my heart, I am born again. And heaven is my home. And today, Lord, say this with me. Today, Lord, I ask you to help me recognize every weakness in my life where grace can take care of it. Thank you, Lord, 
Amen. Now keep your eye. Let's just pray now. Let's just pray. This is our prayer. Now we're all born again. We all have access to the throne of grace. That's what the Bible calls it. Paul said in Ephesians, you're, you're, if you prayed that prayer from God's perspective, you're sitting at the throne now. So Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Under this cover, under this prayer, under this idea that we can't do any of it, but we can do it through your holy grace. And Father, as we come into this series and trying to find grace for the gutters, grace for the weakness of our life, grace for the broken things. I believe with all my heart that this week, Lord, you will help us recognize the areas where we can't do it. And I help, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me see. This is my prayer. You pray your prayer. I'm praying for you, but you know, this is really my prayer. Help me see it, Lord. Is that it? That's it. Help me see it. Open my eyes. Open my eyes, Lord, to the spirit realm. Open my eyes, Lord, to the voice. Open my eyes to to the capacity of grace. And that I may use it properly this week. And I may apply it in my workplace. I may apply it to people that irritate me. I may apply it in my family. I, I can apply it with my wife, with my husband. That the same love that you gave me, Jesus, by putting yourself on the cross, is the same love that I have and the capacity that I have to release grace to all those around me Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Will you believe that? Give the Lord a big hand clap. God bless you guys. You may be seated. It's really strange preaching with one ear off. <laughs> it's like I can only hear half of the applauses. I'm like, well, they're not happy. Um, just quick, well, I already gave you the guys the update. There's not, no really no updates. You know, Cuba's on track of... You, most of you know it was Faith Exchange and us. We did our part, they did their part, but the air conditioners are up. I, again, I don't know if they're running, running, but he said that, that they could have been running this morning. So to me, that is a you know, great testimony. You should feel good about it. You know, we're still doing what we need to do that God's called us to do. So thank you all for your partnership, all those watching us online. You know, thank you for your partnership. You know, we have, you know, for a church that doesn't have a lot of people, you know, a lot of capacity, we, we get a lot of things done, guys. And I'm telling you, Cuba is moving you know, it's just amazing what God is doing there. So, again, thank you, thank you for all that. And um, the, some of the things that Kathy mentioned that are coming up. What's the date again for the VBS? I keep... There it is. <laughs> read it. <laughs> I don't want to read it. But, again, if you want to get involved, just, um, you know, get it. So, one day, we're doing it completely different. You know, we've, we've gone from full week to four-day weeks to three days, and now we're just going to do one full-day party. So, we will need a lot of uh, help. And especially in the area of security. You know, people trust us with their kids. You know, in over 20-something years of doing these things, we've never had any issues, and we're not. So get involved with that. That's the big thing that's coming this month. So Saturday, June 25, go ahead and, you know, schedule that. Cancel your trip to the mall on Saturday, 25th, you know. So um, anyhow, I guess that's all right. I don't have anything else I'm missing. I think Kathy covered it all. All right, so if you want to help us, you know, get what we do done, that's how you do it, right there. And you guys, what do you do with your money? Well, let me, let me tell you what happened this week. I almost fired Kathy, but I can't fire her because I haven't paid her. So, I'm enjoying a mini vacation. I get a text that, this is what Kathy sent me. Help me with this, Freddie. A flapper and a pipe got broken in church, and she fixed it, and it cost $1,700. 
When you get that text message, you're like, wait, wait, what? I could do that for 200 bucks and still make money, right? No, it wasn't that. It was a major sewer repair. So thank you, Kathy, for taking care of it. I'm not picking at you. But that's what it is. I mean, we, you know, we built, remember, you guys remember our leadership meeting? I gave you that number. Well, we had already built that up. Well, we already just flattened it out because we had to pay $1,700 to fix the sewer line. So anyway, it's fixed. But I know Kathy and Laura, they do such an amazing job. And I got the message. I'm thinking of Flapper. I'm thinking the, no, she was talking about the check valve that goes into the sewer line. So yeah. I'm like, what is it, made out of gold or what? You know, $300 for a flapper. I'm like, I'm thinking. <laughs> anyway, so that, that was taken care of this week. So praise God. So thank you guys for your support. We need it all. You know, Cuba's an ongoing thing. And I, I encourage you, you know, very simple. You give into things that you trust. And, you know, I don't know what else to tell you that if you don't see the fruit,